Welcome to the Kill Your Internet Podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode number 60 of the Kill Your Internet Podcast presented by High Brew Coffee. With you, as always, is your boy, Colin. With me today is the Lord himself, Mr. Roast Malone, Eric Burke. Eric, how are we doing, buddy? Doing good. How are you doing, man? You know what, man? I was having an okay day. And then the Eagles ripped my heart out. I don't even know if I should get mad anymore, realistically. Like, nah, probably not, honestly. I know, man. I'm here to tell you, I definitely don't. <laughs> it's just like... I don't know. I don't want to be ineloquent here, but I mean, it just fucking sucks. It's just, <laughs> they don't, it just looks like Doug. They're not is, good. No, they're not good. And it looks like Doug has completely lost his way. Yeah. I just don't understand the That's way. That's the worst part. It yeah. It is the worst part. I don't understand the way he calls his plays. Dude, I don't I, understand the way he utilizes Carson. Miles Sanders was outstanding today and wasn't really, the first half he was setting him up with like perfect running situations. And then the second half, it uh, seemed like yeah. every time he touched the ball, he was hit before he even got past the line of scrimmage. Overall, just an absolute clunker, just depressing. And I don't know if it's the weather contributing to it or the impending doom of whatever's about to go down with lockdowns. I don't know. I don't know, man. The worst part is it's coming off a bye. Like, yeah, completely figure, unprepared. Like, just, dude, completely unprepared on defense. Yep, completely. Dude, like, all, like, I don't do this. Like, I typically, like, think about it a little bit more yeah. and try to figure things out, like, take – like take more thought than partially because I like to think about things a little bit deeper, but like, dude, it was like 13 minutes. I was like, what the fuck? Like, dude, how are you not fucking ready? I, I couldn't have said anything. Like you haven't, myself. you like, haven't been playing football for fucking two weeks. Figure, the, figured the, the fuck out. The like, team got healthy and it still didn't make a difference. The Jalen Hurts gadget plays need to go. I don't know dude. what that is. I don't know if Doug thinks he's going to catch somebody off guard when he does the same thing. No, you're just going to get over again. You're going to net two yards, maybe. Maybe at the most. That's it. Like I don't understand. Like I'm not even talking shit on Jalen Hurts. Like fucking no, Jalen not at Hurts. All. Like why are you fucking like, dude? You're taking. I brought this up with Tyrone. You're taking Carson Wentz's Carson Wentz's edge away. Yeah. By not I, having him in on every play. I brought this up with Tyrone Johnson too, to where we both were like, I love Jalen Hurts. He seems like a really nice guy but it makes absolutely no sense what they're doing with them. And it's just, I don't know, man, yeah. maybe, maybe we need to be resigned. that This is just a bad year. Maybe COVID's like taken over the league and, and it's just like, Dude, we, yeah. And it's just like, we don't really know what's going on, but regardless, you know, just a real shitty way to start off the week, I guess. But at the same time, <laughs> we have, we have positives. Uh, we have a yeah. two for today for episode 60. We have two fan favorites brought back for second interviews. Actually, I don't think this is the third time with White Sox Day from Barstool Sports. Uh, he, gives, he gives us a little bit of a uh, sports update as he does. I thought it would be a good one to bring him on because Jose Abreu just won uh, AL MVP. So yeah, thought that'd be great. Um, we talk about the whole Tony La Russa situation. And then uh, we also bring up a – well, he's, he's learning to play the guitar. So we're actually going to be giving him Zoom guitar lessons over, uh, over the computer to try and teach him how to play a couple songs. So we have that going on. And then we also have our friend Max Swan, who just dropped an amazing EP called Gone Away, uh, on for a long interview. that I, I just love talking to Max about music because me and him see things completely differently. And he's so cerebral in the way that he does everything. It's really, it's really a really interesting interview. We we went live from Rec Philly and got to do that and sit down together. So we drank some whiskey and and talked some music. So that that that's 
it, it's, it's a great interview. You got to stick around for that one. Uh, overall, I mean, I kind of alluded to it at the beginning of the conversation, but it seems as though, and I can't speak for the rest of the country, but I know Philadelphia is about to release new COVID restrictions and lockdowns. Is it weird that I'm kind of numb to it at this point and I'm just resigned to like, this is what it has to be? No, I mean, that's how you should. I don't want to tell anyone how to think, but I mean, we saw it's, it was probable, right? Yeah. Like flu season. I mean, it was totally. It's out of control. Not a right shoe now. in, but like, it was like, yeah, it was it's like. out of control right now. We have to do something about it. We can't do nothing about it. And uh, yeah, I think like maybe I'm just more mentally prepared this time. I'm not as, it's not as doom and gloom. It's more of a reservation that, okay, we've been through this once. We have to do what we have to do. And we'll go through it. And I mean, in the interview with Dave, he talks about the fact that Chicago already has this in place. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he's already going through it. He's, he's going through that experience. He also had COVID. He beat COVID. Uh, and he kind of talks about the experience of what that was like. Uh, so it, it is an interesting aspect of everything going on. Everything that we live through right now is through the lens of the COVID era, I guess, or like this time in our lives. Yeah, it's just a yeah. Don't say era. That's yeah, that sounds a lot worse. Not, yeah, era era implies like decades, and I really yeah. don't want to. This happened like hundred years ago, Spanish flu and shit. Yeah, it happens, man. It's it sucks, but you know, it's, there's nothing we can do. We gotta just if anything, get along. You gotta go along, man. If anything, I can say that this will just be that period of time that we look back on our lives and just be like, wow, we did that. We lived through that shit. That was wild. And uh, I, yeah, I fingers crossed. Like I said, man, I'm I'm not. I'm not handling it in the way that I did the first time where it was like absolute panic and dread and like kind of this like overarching thing of like, I don't know what's going to happen with my life. Yeah. Reserved to the fact that this just needs to happen right now so that we can get on with our lives next year and whatever it's got to be, it's got to be. I'm just praying for everybody who is one dealing with the illness and two, the business owners and the people in their careers, you know, such as ourselves that have to have to have to go through this. And, you know, that's really all everyone, dude, everyone, man, everyone, there's no one who is exempt to this. And if yeah. there is, you know, good for you, buddy. I yeah, don't know how dude. the fuck that's possible. Living on your God's own private island. Yeah. yeah. Uh, other other than that, man, I, I, do, I do look forward to this week coming up for us because we were working on a lot of new music. And and uh, I don't know. It's weird. I, I always talk about the ebbs and flows of songwriting. And right now, the last couple of days, I haven't written anything as opposed to the previous two weeks when I wrote like 24 songs. So I'm going to put myself back in that mode this week as well. And I just want to create. That's all I want to do right now. And maybe that's what it is with this whole period of time is I just want to create. I want to feel normal. I want to do my thing. And, you know, we'll get in the studio. We'll chop it up and we'll, we'll, we'll get it done. But anything you want to say before we get in the interviews? Um, enjoy the interviews. I hope you're having a better day than I am. Play <laughs> that for free. Oh, when man. I was coming on, when I was trying to, but the audio didn't work. Yeah. And I, when we were fucking trying to do this. So I took my headphones off and when I <laughs> took them off, dude, I was ready to throw the closest. You have no idea how mad I was. when that yeah, happened. Like, It's funny it's, now. <laughs> you, you whipped yourself in the eye with your head. <laughs> yeah. Cause like this is so it, like, it like, but like, but like the hard plastic part hit me. Like it actually kind of hurt for a second, which made me even more mad. And this, this, pen, is, this, this is what's great. This Snoopy was, coffee cup with all my pencils and it was about to die of vicious death. <laughs> and this happens all the time when you're doing things through zoom where the computer for the first time, for some reason glitches and we can't get the interview started because somebody's audio isn't going through the correct interface or something like that. And the best part was that I couldn't hear Eric, but I could see the steam coming out of his ears and I was just dying laughing and he couldn't hear me laughing. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's hilarious. Uh, well, all right. So we're going to start the, uh, the 60th episode off with White Sox Dave from Barstool Sports. Yeah! How you feeling? 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, your first guest here for the Kill Your Internet podcast. Fan favorite, our boy, White Sox Dave. Had to bring him back for the 60th episode. Dude, how the fuck are you? I'm good. Um, I just battled the coronavirus for uh, – I was out of commission for three weeks. I mean, out of commission, work – well, not work-wise. I was still home and writing and everything, but couldn't go into radio. I uh, had to do everything over Zoom. Um, but as far as my experience with it, it was completely mild. I yeah. had a fever for a couple of days and a cold sweat. So other than that, I was fine. And I lost my taste and smell. Dude, but, I was just going to, I was just going to ask you because that was, that was hot in the streets on Twitter, on Barstool Twitter. And, uh, I saw somebody was trying to come at you being like, Oh, you went out, you piece of shit. You knew, dude, yeah. I, lo- I, you gotta love the, the shaming that goes on now. Like people will find whatever they can to try and throw it at you, dude. Dude, it's so fucking crazy how, so on Saturday, this past Saturday, I went out for the first time in about a month. And cause I had it midweekly is when I was diagnosed. So like I had to skip an extra weekend. Yeah. So I went out for the first time and I could literally, and this is after three and a half weeks of, and I was cleared after 10 days to go back to work, but I took two and a half. Right. Just to be sure. Um, no one will go near me still. They <laughs> really? think I'm like a leper. Yeah. Like some of my best friends are like, I just am not comfortable. And I'm like, dude, it's not the black plague of death. Yeah. I, like, I was, I was completely say, like, fine. You're, you're over it now. And so you're saying all your, all your symptoms were mild. You were, you got through it. You're all good. Yeah. I knew, I knew I had it when I woke up. I, I was, I, you know, when you like, you get sick and you like stick your hand out the covers and you oh, just yeah. start shivering immediately. Yeah. So I bundled up and this was back. It was like mid seventies. I put on like a hoodie, a hat, and I was freezing. I walked to the testing center, um, and I knew I knew I had it. And that night, my taste and smell started going away. Oh wow! But my stomach, my lungs, and my head were all one hundred percent fine. So all I did, because out of boredom, because I was just sitting alone, because I live alone, they um, like I I just ate nonstop, but I couldn't taste anything. So I was eating like peanut butter and jellies and. <laughs> Because I could trying to get sugar a little bit, yeah. So that's that was basically it. But yeah, so on Saturday I went out for the first time, and it was only with other people who have had coronavirus already. We're like the we're gang, like the Corona group, yeah. <laughs> so we all can't give it to each other because we already had it. Yeah, and everyone was like terrified of like coming anywhere near us. I'm like, what are you talking about? So are you guys? Because uh, we have another Chicago, we have Chicago friends coming on this week as well. And uh, I was going to ask them, too, are you guys shutting back down? Because I've been we're seeing shutting, all- Yeah, as of this afternoon, uh, starting Monday morning, we're shutting back down. We're going to be following. We're, I know, because if Chicago's doing it, New York is doing it, Philly's going to do it as well. Speaking of Philadelphia, do you think we were responsible for giving you coronavirus? I can't. So I've whittled it down to a few different nights. Um, one was like the 10th of October. So I went to a haunted drive-in movie. Ooh. And one of the girls there got it that night, but I didn't come within like, it was, it was a group of like eight of us. Yeah. And I don't know that I like was anywhere near here, her within five feet for more than a minute or two. Oh no shit. Yeah. And then, um, there was one other, uh, there was one other maybe, but even then, like, so I don't know where I got it, but see, I was in Nashville and I went through the airport and, uh, when I came home, Cause dude, I don't know how, how you were, but I, I went American both ways. Both my flights were packed, like packed to the fucking gills. And when I came home, I was like, dude, I, I'm, I'm nervous. Cause the airport was a fucking mm-hmm. mess. And I was like, Oh, I wonder if Dave got it when he came to Philly, by the way, how was your experience at the gambling house? How was that? That was, it was an awesome time. So I got family out there. So I right. did some, I was going to hit you up, but I tried to sneak it by them where 
I wouldn't have to see them because then it would turn into a whole event because I only see them a handful of years. Yeah. And I planned on coming out there for Thanksgiving anyways, uh, just surprising them out there. And But that was my first time because they live in Times River. So they're right. like an hour east of Philly and in a little more than an hour south of New York. Right. And so um, I had every time I'd go out there, we'd go up to New York City. I'd never been to Philly before. And I was really? like surprised at how much I like the city. It's great. Like place, in New York, man. New York's the worst place on earth. Like Agreed. Philly's got grass. Yep. Um, there's parks. You know, obviously there's Central Park, but if you're walking to Manhattan, other than in Central Park, it's just concrete jungle, and that's not Philly. And, and I'm a I huge tell, nerd, and I What love I can that. tell, yeah, you were, you, I think you guys, uh, from anything I've seen down there, you're in, like, Old City area, so. Yeah, we were, that's where we were, yeah. You guys are in, like, the central area of, like, American history. Like, you're legitimately. The birth of America, yeah. If you're below 6th, and you're, like, on Arch, you are, like, legitimately in the cradle. Of we were at 3rd and Arch, I think. Dude, that's so sick. It's such a great area. Yeah, That it's area awesome. right there has an amazing little bar called National Mechanics that is actually a revolutionary war era bank and you go in and I think I've, I might've mentioned that to you, but that spot is fucking dope. Uh, we're glad to have had you here. Uh, what's, uh, what's life in Chicago right now? Cause obviously the white Sox are directly in the middle of so much shit going on right <laughs> a now. A lot, a lot of good. Um, and you know what? I, I try to pose it as it's mostly good. Yeah. Obviously some bad, but the, it's like the loud of the bad outweighs the, what should be the loud of the good. Yeah. Um, Tony LaRusso. Elephant uh, in the room, complete out of left field hire. I, I had no idea they were doing that, and uh, I was I didn't hate the hire in and of itself because he's a Hall of Fame manager. Yeah, you don't just forget how to manage baseball games and manage a clubhouse and work with different personalities. And people are like, "Oh, how's he going to adapt to Tim Anderson and like the bad flips?" This guy worked with Mark McGuire, Jose yeah, Canseco, Bash Brothers A's, like that, Ricky is like, Henderson. Yep, all these guys. It's like. He did pretty good with them. Yeah. You I, know, I, won three World Series. You can't argue with the pedigree. It's there. Uh, it's, it's kind of a thing. Like, the only thing, because I remember, like, when, like, watching you and, like, other guys on Twitter, like, postulate who was going to take that job. And uh, seeing, like, Tony Lewis's name get thrown out there, and I'm like, well, that's, that's a fucking pipe dream. Like, the guy's, like, 80 almost. Like, when they said that, I thought it was just going to be as an advisor role, which yeah. I would have been more than cool with, you know? But what, what angered me and what I'm trying to get all White Sox fans to be angry at is that this wasn't a hire made by anybody other than the owner. Jerry Reinsdorf. Jerry Reinsdorf. We all know him. I mean, he's probably one of the more, like, known owners in all of sports at this point, even though he's a White Sox owner. And I know they're, you know, not they're not some blue blood franchise. I was just going to say, the last dance put him over the top as far exactly. as... Exactly. Like, the last dance, everybody knows him after that because he's the guy who decided not to go for seven and eight. Yep. And um, he's the guy who, you know, he's an owner of the Bulls for the Jordan years and all the last 20 years that have been shit. But, <laughs> um, but it was his guy. And, I w like, he didn't want his front – he didn't – it was his choice and his choice only. The front office wasn't allowed to go after their guys. As far as I'm aware, they didn't even interview anybody else. Um, wow. And it's like, what – like, let your front office do their job. Exactly. So I mean, that's what I'm trying to get people to direct their anger at is the owner. And the thing is, too, because obviously it was like an out-of-left-field hire, but then the whole thing comes out with the whole DUI situation, which, like, right. you know, it's obviously a bad look. But at the end of the day, like, is that really going to stop you guys from, like, going forward with, with taking Larusa on? Like, wh what's the vibe right now amongst White Sox fans? I mean, everybody's pissed because, like, they don't think that Tony – a lot of White Sox fans don't think Tony Larusa can adapt. I disagree with that. Yeah. 
but in the end, we're all pissed that he's the manager. And then all of a sudden, like, so that was like kind of a PR, I don't want to say nightmare. Like people were just a little, a little pissed. Yeah. But, um, then the DUI news comes out and it, he got charged the day before he was named manager. Oh. And oh, it's like, how do you, like, how do you justify this? And if it was his first one, that's inexcusable. And you should never drink and drive. And I, and I can say this with all honestly, I never have. And right. I like to, I like to drink a lot. That's why and God invented Uber. That's why Uber's there. And he's got the money. What is he like? Just, I mean, he's a, he's a ball. hall of fame baseball person. What do you mean? Of course he's got the money. <laughs> well, this was his second one. Yeah. It's his second one. Like I can, I don't want to say understand, but I could see if you're like a 20, 21 year old kid, you're stupid at that age. You do stupid shit. He was 65 years old. And then 76 years old or whatever it yeah, was. Yeah, you're stuck in your ways at that point. Yeah, you, you should know better. And, like, and then he's, he, he tried to pull the, oh, I'm a Hall of Famer card. That was so bad, dude. It's like, like, watching the transcript of that, it's like, you're, like, in the back of your head, like, oh, well, at least he's not a piece of shit. And then all of a sudden, like, it comes out. It's like, yeah, he tried to pull the, I'm a Hall of Fame baseball player. Do you know, or baseball guy, do you know who I am card? Just a bad look, dude. It's Just a, a bad, look. bad look. But in the end... Like, and I, I wrote this today, the, like the roster is still loaded. Yep. It's so young. I mean, the average age on the team is like 23 years old, it's like crazy. the average age. That's crazy. And now you're rocking a, a possible future Cy Young winner with Giolito. And you're also rocking legitimately the MVP of the league, Jose Abreu. As of an hour ago or whatever. Yep. MVP of the league. Um, they have a ton of money to spend because all these guys are on, on entry level deals yep. or extensions that aren't paying them shit yet. So, I mean, if they want, and who knows with the owner, they could go out and get a George Springer or a Trevor Bauer. They could absolutely be one of those guys. I'm conditioned to believe they won't until it happens because I've seen this movie before. Exactly. Uh, We saw it in the last dance when he decided not to pay MJ Scotty and Dennis Rodman, whoever it was. Yep. Like, so, but they're gonna, in in the end, they're a better team right now with Tony LaRusso managing them than they were at the end of the season with Ricky Renner and there's no question about that. No, you Not can't a argue, doubt. You, you can't argue with that. You can't argue that. And in your position, like, you got to be loving where you are because you have the team. We, on the other hand, the Phillies, uh, we had a long conversation with Tyrone Johnson. He's one of the main guys mm-hmm. on our sports talk show in Philly. Uh, on and we were just saying what a shit show the Phillies were because we talked about spending money, spent money, and now we won't spend money. We're fucked. I have no idea what's going to go They're, on. That's what that's what they've done such a good job of. The front office is. They have control of like a solid ten or twelve players right now yeah. for at least five more years, and that's the entire core. The rest is like bullpen pieces, which can change in over course of an off season. You know, I mean, it and feels like you guys too have the ability to start bringing in free agents now. Like you have some clout. You have you have guys did last year. They did Grandall last year. Yep. Um, they can do that again if they want. They did it with Keuchel. Um, so I'm looking at more of those level moves this yeah. winter, which are obviously great moves. Um, but I just don't see them going and getting that Garrett Cole type level, Trevor Bauer type pitcher, which I mean, they could theoretically and should do. You leave you know? that for the the Boston's and the and the New Yorks and the LAs of the world. By the way, this is uh, Chicago though. Chicago's the biggest market in the city. Chicago I is. I mean, El Paso, Texas is bigger than the city of Boston. Yep, El Paso, Texas. I've obviously Boston and New England's a large market. Yeah. Chicago's a large market. Even if you cut it in half, with White Sox and Cubs. It's still double the size of Boston. Like, I don't want to hear them crying poor. There's a ton of eyeballs. It's a huge franchise. It's like, it's a large market team. They should act like it. 
it feels like at the beginning of the of the podcast when I was saying like uh like I don't know, like if you guys lock down, we lock down. It feels like Philly and Chicago have this like little brother syndrome to like the two other big spots in New course, York and yeah. LA to where we're like, why don't we get nice things? Like why does it why is it that we have to scrape? The I mean the Cubs high? get it. Yeah, that that's weird. Like having two teams in one city is so I mean the Cubs high. are a cash cow. Wrigley yeah. I mean, and the and the Ricketts own all of Wrigleyville now. Like they bought all the bars, they bought the rooftops, they own like all of it. So all that money is going into them. Um, it's not like that with the Sox. There's a small couple of bars in the area. Most of it's tailgating, which isn't feeding them any money. No. I mean, they're getting parking, you know, revenue, but that's nothing. Um, it's, it's so it, weird to hear all the owners cry poor right now. Like, I know, like, the Phillies, like, don't want to spend any fucking money because we're not getting what we need, like, revenue-wise. I'm like, get the fuck out of here, dude. We've been spending money for the 150 years for you guys. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, it's know. like no, the Phillies shot themselves. They they started spending too early. Like they they went and signed Real Muto. They didn't win with him. Uh Harper, like what's the point of having a Harper contract and a Harper player on your team if you're if not, not going to contend? Him? Exactly. Yeah. Dude, and and now we're just pissing him off at this point. Uh cuz all he wants is for JT to come back and he's like getting subtweety where he's like he's like calling the Phillies out online and it's just a mess, dude. And I look, speaking of a mess, I mean, I can go over it because this was something we talked about when Nick Foles came back and started for you guys after they benched mm-hmm. Trubisky, right? How's that whole situation going for you? He, I mean, he stinks too. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it it's, it's, it's a three-headed monster. You, you, well, four-headed. Ryan Pace yep. hasn't put any – I mean, Allen Robinson's awesome, but he's more of a possession guy that gets, you know, eight, ten yards of pop yeah. uh, at, at receiver. Other than that, the offensive line – Though there are injuries, it's it's horrible. It's fucking terrible. Um, he like Foles doesn't have any time to throw, but when he does throw, like the scheme is awful. So yeah. it, it, it they're they're a train wreck. On and then Matt and then Matt Nagy, who like I don't know what is going on there. I don't understand it at all. I I he, I, I mean I, we talked to Owen Crutz yesterday for our podcast, and he thinks Nagy and Pace are back for one more year next year. Yeah. They fired both of them tomorrow. Like I wouldn't care, or it's not that I would. I would want that to happen. I and would. You, I would care. What do you guys five, five and four, five and three? Five and four. They started five and one, but yeah. even even their five and one start, like it could have easily been two and four. Yeah, I was gonna say because they had a few comeback wins against bad teams, the Falcons and the and the Lions. It's like, eh. Do you guys think you pull the trigger and put Trubisky back in at any point this year, or is that ship just completely sailed? I mean, I don't. Maybe <laughs> and, you know, what he does at least offers. He's an athlete and he can improvise and, and get, get yards on the ground. Yeah. If but, you don't have, if you don't have a wall of an offensive line in front of Nick, you've got no shot. And I'm exactly, literally, he's a statue. I'm literally just like giving you game for free over here. Cause I've watched it for years and mm-hmm. I lo- look, I love Nick to death. Thank you for 2017. But dude, there's a reason why you're not a starter. He is an amazing like clear-headed great backup to bring in in like he's, terrible he's situations yeah, exactly he's a fucking reliever maybe you guys just start implore like it is funny to me though to hear like all the bears fans get super excited about nick Foles and us sitting over here just being like oh we'll, we'll see how that goes for you i'm, I'm not sure what you guys are looking I at i mean but- it's it was a grass is always greener type situation like yeah when there's a new quarterback next year and he's inevitably sucks it'll everybody will be crying for the backup you know yeah uh, yeah, so, that, that that's football right there. Literally, that that's that's major city football right there. We just complain about what we got until we bring in the other thing, and that sucks too. That's all it is. And yeah, you guys do have 2017 though. I was born in '88, so I didn't see the 
you know, oh, you didn't even get the 85 Bears. Yeah, nope, so wasn't even close to it. Ah, uh, man. You guys had, what was it, 2006? At least you went to the Super Bowl with Rex Yeah, 2005, 2006, they went there. Um, that defense, was, like, this defense is really good. Yeah. That defense was incredible. Fucking Peyton Manning, like, dude. Hall of Famers up and down the lineup in that, in that defense. Yeah, but that was the thing. It was pouring rain, and Rex Grossman, apparently, his hands are too small to grip <laughs> a wet football. Go the figure, one time right? hand size actually comes in. It's not just like right. Mel Kiper talking shit. Um, oh, other than that, I wanted to bring up. So we had Smitty on the podcast recently. And, uh, dude, so was the coronavirus an instant, like the instant where you're like, all right, I'm just going to start battling Smitty and Call of Duty. Where things are going and staying on that path without too many other side streets that I take to get there. And the, and the, the maintaining, it's more about the, much less about the delegator and the delegate than it is about the 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 overarch overarching focus of of what I'm doing not getting lost when I'm at my house I'm hours into working on right. something or you know it's been it's been a battle to kind of get to that point but you know I I do feel pretty comfortable in it where I'm at now. With all of the internal delegation that you go through in creation, mm-hmm. do you ever feel that that hinders your prolific side to where if you weren't so focused on your different roles in your own music, you'd be able to drop more music? Or is it more just who you are as a person? Like, is it Would you always kind of be someone who takes their time? Or is this more of the, the internal battle? I think that if I was the person that was dropping shit constantly that I would not be where I'm at because yes. this stuff would not hit the way that it, it even though it's in, in small I'm getting started you know what I mean like we're not this is not like a post Grammy no exactly interview but it's like it really is that it's the the it it has become it has become easier in a sense to do those things right but it there it's just um it's an interesting place to be in uh all the time yeah. doing that doing that type of like planning and and things like that but it mostly is just kind of keeping the axe to the grindstone and um just sharpening 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 just and if there is something that is taking me like a really long time then it's then that's when I get to the point that like that delegator is like based on all the knowledge that I have about sleep <laughs> it's time to like put it away and detach and then tomorrow reassess well now from my perspective as a fan of yours because mm-hmm. I genuinely am I enjoy the fact that there is space between the releases because there's a lot to digest in what you do you're you're not out here putting out you know three track punk songs. You're out here crafting, mm-hmm. and I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And now looking through the record, like j- just song to song, and we had a conversation before the the podcast about just the first track, "Gone Away." Mm-hmm. Did you purposefully make that song as a stage setter? No, I I made that track actually um, as a um, free. No holds barred. Um, my my <clears throat> the guitar player that I've been playing with since I was in college. Who is it? Josh Nussbaum. Mm. Um, 
he uh his his girlfriend that I was there in the beginning of the relationship yeah. and I I you know like it it was like I I've kind of been present for so many so many moments that were there but um she was she her name is Katrina uh Katrina Atkin she is a a contemporary she has some uh very expansive ideas about dance and she was doing a piece that she needed a soundtrack for. Oh, interesting. She told me was that she needed it for something that was going to happen on a beach. So I made this very simple Wow. Yeah, so I so I made this very simple um piece of music that was very soundscape based that is what is on the recording now but was not, is not is not what it is now. No, but did you time. did you base that notion on the world that the record lives in? Like, what do you mean? So you're the artwork mm-hmm. for the record, and and the the even the video that went along with the, with the first. Oh single. yeah, it's based. Like, Was it on that idea of the beach? Yes. See, that is so fucking yeah. interesting to me. Like, yeah, she put that, that nugget in your. Are you just thinking about this now too? In a certain perspective. Well, it, I mean, I think that it's more like I I um. I obviously look at it differently, being the creator and right, having, having the conversations in mind that we had and, and the time of my life when I made that, um, the initial much more thinned down track that was just um, drums, strings, key bass, um, and it graduating to being this other thing because I, I, I was really happy with it and I asked her a long time ago, like if I... If I you, she was so great to work with, but she's like, just make me something, and I do not care what you do with the track. It does not matter to me. And like when I asked her, like if I use this eventually, like do you care? And she was like, what? Are, no, we get the fuck out of here. No, <laughs> like yeah, use it. Like dude, like what? This is all like f- this is free artistic expression, you know? And 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 use it, use it for for what it will be. So the the. There were things that I changed about it from her piece, which you can see on YouTube. Yeah, we're gonna have to put that up. Um, but um, and that the graduation of it happened during the the time that I was getting all of these things together. Um, these four tracks and the things that are to come during the you know preliminary stages of this what seems to be the first lockdown that we had in. Bum bum bum. Just told me about that. And we were I, listen, man. Yo, what? Might be time to make another album. Uh, look, <laughs> if this happens, two <laughs> things are going to be made. There's going to be a lot of SoundCloud albums, and there's going to be a lot of babies. Mm-hmm. Both of those things are, are fucking foregone conclusions if we're going to go to another lockdown. Right. I will say this too, because we've avoided any real societal talk. Mm-hmm. I don't even know that I have the luxury of focusing on these things because I've felt the pressure more than I have my entire life. Because for me, I've always had distractions to a certain perspective. When I say distractions, I'm a workaholic. I'm constantly working, constantly doing. This is the first time I've had to sit with my thoughts in a very long time mm. and have to acknowledge, like, this could all be gone. Mm. And a, like, what I do could be gone in a minute. So who the fuck am I? Mm. But the one thing I will say though is I've pivoted. I've got this podcast would not be where it is right now had it not been for the cir- the circumstances that we are in. Me mm-hmm. and you would not be sitting here talking to each other had it not been for these circumstances that we are in. I am overtly, overly 
probably to a fault positive. So, but recently I haven't felt that way. And I think it's so reflective. If you look at this book right here, and this is songwriter talking to songwriter, do you ever journal? Yeah, all the time. I never have until recently. Yeah. So this whole book right here, every page at the beginning is my morning journal when I wake up. Mm -hmm. And if I read these back, you'd be like, what padded room does this fucking lunatic live in? Because it's uh, like it's ne never anything positive. Recently, there hasn't been a lot to talk positive. Mm -hmm. And if it is, it's a resolution at the end of the journal entry that says, hey, keep your chin up. You're going to be all right. Mm -hmm. I'm waiting for that corner to turn. I don't know when we get there. But I, I, I will say, you know, I, I think my, my point in this was I'm going to roll with whatever the fuck is going to happen because I think I'm more even adjusted to these situations now. But you know what? Fuck that shit. We have enough to deal with that in our real lives. Let's wrap this conversation up with the record. I want you to do me a favor, and the one track we haven't talked about is Apologies. Mm -hmm. Like, what what was the process of making Apologies, and where to you? Because we've talked about Gone Away, we've talked about Leaning, and we've talked about Two for the Road. Give me the breakdown on one, how you made Apologies, and two, where it sits in the record. Uh, apologies started with the Iwi part. That yeah. instrument fucking fascinates me, by the way. Yeah, it's a wild, wild piece of machinery. Yes, it is. Um, but uh, it started out with the um, three-part three, three harmony, the Iwi movement through those chord changes. Can you explain what the Iwi is to people who aren't familiar? Um, electronic wind instrument um, is what Iwi stands for. The e sexiest instrument on earth. Yes, and uh, the... The it has somewhat endless capabilities. I think that if you were to say that it can do anything, you'd be silly. <laughs> and also, but but the I've used it for cueing samples. I've used it for stuff. I've used it for a, a number of different things. It's the beginning of steady. Mm -hmm. It's the it's the uh, solo in the beginning of steady. But um, I started with that, and it it sat for a really long time. Like the the that chord progression, like I always had, I wrote <clears throat> the lyrics and the music are two different components to the song, but the, the I I think that the lyrics are are what are most important on that song. Like, Do you feel that way generally when you write things, or are you generally no, more focused on the music? No, I mean I think that there's a it's it's an equal balance if you were to do a tallying of the hours spent on lyrics it might be a little bit shorter because of the fact that as a, a lyricist we have the luxury of sitting back and uh listening to music that already exists yeah and then allowing ourselves to be impulsive so do you do you create the lyrics after you create the music um no no uh, it it changes for every okay. changes for the different instances. It, it, there there are things that it does come to me before the music is ever there. There are two different creative minds. Yes, absolutely. They're at one time one may be more dominant, and then at another time the the other will be overwhelmingly dominant of what is going on. But the lyrics for apologies were there long before I started working on the tune. Interesting. Yeah. But to me, because when we, we've been in the process now of trying to build songs around the music and then writing to it, for me as a songwriter, I never 
I'm a melody and lyrics at the same time guy. Mm-hmm. The songwriting and an acoustic guitar for me is how I do it. Yeah, well, the melody is always, you know, for the most part, the melody is, is always there when the lyrics come in. It's more the, the underpinnings of the recording things that give it that the sonic character of what's happening. So from that perspective, did you write apologies, the lyrics, more as poetry, or did you have an idea and just jot it down and then put it over music later? Um, just came to me all together. No shit. Yeah, like the... the that that whole thing came so good. One idea. And I've never heard you sing in person. That just made me smile. Thanks. I swear to God, <laughs> you know, I've never actually seen. I'm embarrassed. Have we ever played a show together? No. We've been in the same place at the same time, but I don't think we've ever played together. So I've never got to watch you actually do it in person. And the Harem Arms just stood up. That was pretty fucking cool. Yeah. You have a very unique voice. Thanks, man. Because your voice is much deeper when you sing. I feel, but then you can go up as well. Yeah. Well, the. Uh, you know where you sit as far as like alto soprano type of shit like that. I'm like uh uh I'm between baritone and tenor. I'm what they call a growler, to where I just kind of sound like I like ate a carton of cigarettes and then went out there and tried to do it. Yeah. Uh, see, Erica knows where she sits in the band. Erica's like, oh, I'm a mezzo, whatever the fuck it is. Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, dude, I don't know. I try really hard. Right. Like, that's where I sit. Yeah. Yeah. But I will always be fascinated, and I could talk to you endlessly about music because me and you have such different upbringings on it, but I think we both love it the same way. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like I do. And, and that's why, to me, like this is our second interview, but I feel like we're going to have a thousand more because I could, and I don't know if it's the same way for you that you could sit here and ask me questions. I could ask you questions about music for days. Like, you just, you, you confound me maxwell like you're, you're an interesting human being to speak to about music and in that in that form i guess one of the last things i'll ask you is what have you been listening to uh i i, I what before like while i was making the record or or after like now well we generally do a session called what the fuck you've been listening to so i guess like right now what are you listening to what is hot in the streets from max one right now um I've been listening a lot to the new Big Sean album. Uh, Detroit's Detroit so fucking good. Yeah. So many features. Yeah. And Look. I've been uh been looking into uh some more Janae Iko stuff. She's been little bed uh, piece. Yeah. She's been she's been omnipresent in a lot of the music that that I've come to really connect to and enjoy over the past five. To seven years. Well, I mean, if you're talking Big Sean, her, her and him run hand in hand. Mm-hmm. 2088. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gotta eat the booty like groceries. Like, all your favorite songs. I know, <laughs> I know how this shit goes. Yeah. But, so, all right, so Big Sean, Janae Aiko. I've been on a big Childish Gambino kick. Yeah. Uh, we had we had a, a long conversation. We do a, se- a thing on, on the podcast called uh, the Coronavirus Survival Guide, where we do uh, mm-hmm. Mount Rushmore's of different things, where we pick three... Like a top three list on things, and I right. and the the question was, who are three people you would want to switch lives with? Yeah, and I said Donald Glover was one of mine because of the freedom that he has to create. Mm-hmm. Uh, but listening back to to Awaken My Love and like the Kawhi EP and shit like that, dude's a fucking genius. So yeah. I've been on a big Gambino kick, and then I've also been on like a very large. Uh, like Foo Fighters, like straight up fucking ignorant rock and roll shit. Queens of the Stone Age. Like I've just been, I've been wanting to go ham. Hey, I want to run through a fucking wall. I've been listening to a, uh, a lot of Audio Slave. Fuck yeah, dude. Okay, we had a conversation about how much I love 
Audios. I, well, Chris Cornell, rest in peace to the go. Fucking great. Audio Slave to me, like, because Soundgarden is how Chris Cornell came up, but I fucking love Audio Slave, dude. Are you a Rage guy? What do you mean? Rage Against the Machine? Yeah, I, I, re- I, uh, he's like, not. yes, I feel rage quite often. I do feel rage. <laughs> um, I, Rage Against the Machine, it's like, uh, I, I have, I need to, I think I personally need to know them better to be able to talk about them. I but agree with their that. Their music is, uh, is uh, is awesome, man. You know who I feel like that about? Tool. People talk Tool. about Tool a lot, and I'm like, I respect Tool, and I know like the, the hits, but I don't I don't know shit about Tool. I'm not yeah. gonna go to a Tool fan and tell you why I like Tool. Yeah, I Tool is a very they're a very interesting group. The way that they write their music, yeah, agreed. Really interesting. They have weird time signatures. And I, I that to me, because Eric and uh, Ken in our band and Will mm-hmm. will be sitting there, they're like, they're a 916. And I'm like, I have no idea what the fuck that means. Yeah. The ratchet size to me. I have yeah. no idea what that means. Uh, yeah. I'm just like, yeah, that seems very odd. Yeah. But like, okay, so other, like, right now, like, we were talking about the record. When you were making the record, what were you listening to? God, dude. See, that's, ah, I caught him on one, no, finally. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. I mean, like, I, uh, were you locked away? Were you just kind of in your own space, or was it a situation where you were like feeding off something else? Yeah, I mean, I feel like for like the I I I was listening to a lot of the same things that I've I've always been listening to. I was really just focusing on experimenting and and turning the stuff that I've listened to into what I. Shut the I, fuck up. We I get be, it. What I what became like a more uh like like the record I don't really make music aside Two for the Road obviously is exempt from this, but like there there's not a lot of parts of my music that I make where are like transcriptions. Right. You're like taking things from somebody else. I'm gonna use this turnaround, I'm gonna use this chord progression to get to here. Right. It just kind of happens and I just let it go. Like so much of my time as a musician has been kind of wound up, and writing stuff is very much a retreat. Interesting, you know, like to just kind of let things go and create. Just try to get into I get that space where, like, you know, you you got the the you know hair standing up on the back of your neck and like your brain's tingling and you're like in the moment making stuff. It's there's not much of a methodology about how I make things. I just kind of try to expound on the things that pop into my head and see where it goes. And if it yields a song, it yields a song. But if not, I'll put it away, and then it maybe will come out in like three, four years in a really abstract way that doesn't make any sense to the original concept. I'll tell you what. There is no better way to have wrapped up the conversation then with the phrase "writing is a retreat," yeah, that's the, first retreat. of all, that's that's the name of the episode. Writing is a retreat. That's where I'm gonna go. But Max, you will forever be someone that I want to speak to. You're someone who I want to have back on the podcast as much as humanly possible. And I'm I'm blown away by by the EP, and I can't wait to hear what comes next. You're a fucking true individual. You're a true creator. And you're someone who I wish that I had the capability to focus the way that you do. And I want you to know how much I respect and I love what you do. That's an honor, man. Dude, get the fuck out of here. Um, 
I promise we'll have you back on. And uh, we will be throwing the Gone Away EP all over our socials when this drops on Monday. But right on. Maxwell, till next time.